Welcome to Restless. Good afternoon. I'm Father Joseph from St. John's Basilica in Stamford, Connecticut, and you've joined me and Diane and Lauren and Carmelina as we are seeking the face of Christ in the midst of this crazy mixed up world using the light of faith as our guide. You know, one of the most important issues and one of the issues that, of course, gets a lot of people very, um, very worked up on both sides of the issue is the issue of abortion. And uh, it's something that I think we as Catholics can't be afraid to talk about in love because it's certainly something that people deal with, even people out in the pews deal with it. And, you know, people have often asked if I've heard that sin in confession, and, and yes, it is more prevalent perhaps than, than we think. I mean, to you, how important of an issue is abortion? It's the most important. Anything involving life, I think, should be the most important, right? Because with the case of abortion, not only do you have kind of the misunderstood value of life, but you also have women who are in need that's not being addressed. Mm. So you have, it's a multifaceted issue that is solved with abortion. Right? That's very true. The women are often forget, forgotten and neglected. Right. And as a, as a woman, you know, seeking health care for women needs, um, it's very discouraging to think that that's the best we can do as a society, right? The fact that that is the go-to yeah, that's promoted, right? Why can't, why can't we do more for women, right? If we really cared about women's rights, why sure. can't we do more? Sure, absolutely. And what do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, well, human life is sacred, obviously, because, <laughs> I mean, it involves the creative action of God. And I think that, like, in... I mean, in society today, like, we are not gods with the power to determine who who is most valuable, who is, you know, like, there's, that's not, that's not up to us to decide or to, um, you know, to determine when or if someone is, like, worthy of, of life or when they should, you know. Um, yeah, so I think, and then also, too, like, if you de- devalue life, then you can't really talk about human rights or anything because i mean if there's no respect for life then like there's basically i mean you can never really say that certain things can't be done to people one thing you said that has stood out to me so much uh, recently is that idea that we are not in control of life mm-hmm. you know because i think most people many especially secular people think we are because we can create life in a lab you know and and I was kind of reflecting on um, the coronavirus pandemic and whatnot, and and the fact that um, some of the most pro-abortion governors were the ones who were really trying to speak out about life. And I was kind of like, wait a second, like, how is this consistent with your, you know, clearly not really life ethic? And I realized it had nothing to do with life; it had everything to do with control. They couldn't control who was living and dying, and they they didn't like that. You know, and one particular governor just in uh, a state around ours who's unfortunately a Catholic and, and very pro-abortion, you know, he was one that just would go on all the time, we've got to save these lives, save these lives, and I'm thinking about all the babies that he, through this legislation, he's, he's allowed to, to be killed. I think it's, Father, I think it's control, and it's also the fact that it, it could affect them too, right? Like it's something that could, the corona, abortion is something that happens to other people, right? That's true. But 
The coronavirus is affecting everybody, whether you've lost a loved one from it, whether you've been sick from it, whether you're suffering from a long-term repercussion of having the illness, and it's completely out of our control. So it's it's personal yeah, versus in the name of women's rights, people say we have abortion. Yeah. And then the other thing is it seems like society thinks those lives don't actually exist yet. They're not real. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a fish in there. Who knows what it is because we can't see it. You know what I mean? But what always strikes me, it's uh, it's hard to watch women who um, push for abortion and give speeches about a woman's right to an abortion or share that they had an abortion and make it like this uplifting thing. I mean, to me, it's uh, it's, I don't know, it's like it hurts me to watch a woman say that. And I just think... They've got to be so confused or so hurt or so in denial, or, you know, because it's so backwards, right, that we would kill our own children. Right. And that's what we're doing with abortion. And society is fooling people? I don't know, you know? But there, there's that critical shift because they always couch it in terms of women's health. And absolutely, who would be against health for women? Right. So, and I think it's I think it's really two components, right? I mean, oversimplifying this completely, but it's it's you know promoted as women's health a and b. It's also promoted as we need to have control over our bodies, right? So you look at women's health. Put that in quotes of women in incredibly extreme situations in Africa, right? Who are just in horrific conditions, who are pregnant, who have no money. That's I think women's health that's being labeled. And then the other facet is um, the other piece where, I lost my train of thought, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, it's also, society has lost this idea of self-gift and sacrifice. So, you know, bearing children, being a mother, you're, you're giving of yourself and it requires effort. And now society places so much emphasis on, um, you know, just like take care of yourself, think about yourself first before others. And so anything that is perceived as sort of an inconvenience, I mean, if that gets in the way of what your goals and what you want, it's this like whole selfish outlook, I think that has totally warped people's, um, you know, like views on, on abortion and, and all of these things, family life too. Um, Right. Children are, are seen essentially as this burden. Yeah, as a burden, as opposed to a gift. Right, yeah. as a gift. <laughs> but like, I would encourage people to think about it differently, right? Why can't, why can't we make society so that women can have it all, right? Why can't we have a family and a super successful career? People do it. Why are children all of a sudden this inhibition to that? Why can't we do both? And why don't we make it well, both? Pe- people can do it. You know, I think of Amy Comey, Coney Barrett. Exactly. Who's a perfect example of that. At the same time, there is a sense in which you do kind of give up some of your plans, I'm sure, when you have children. Absolutely. I mean, that, and that's just part of the sacrifice, as Diane said, that you might have to sacrifice a career. And that would be a challenge, you know, especially if you're a single mom or you know, in a unique situation, maybe your child is disabled. And that's a sacrifice, but it's a sacrifice born out of love. And ultimately, if the point of your life is about eternity and becoming a saint, we will embrace that sacrifice because we know that's for our sanctification versus if the point of our life is to have a really good career, then anything that stands in that, the way of that is to is something we should get rid of. Right. Yeah, and I think there's also uh, a big lie going on where if a woman goes into an abortion clinic, they're kind of told, yeah, you can't 
balance being a mom and being in school or being a mom and having your career. You can't do that. So, you know, this is what you have to do. But like Carmelina is saying, they can do it. They can do both, right? Even if, yeah. I mean, I don't want to make light of anything. Like, uh, this can be really difficult, but uh, certainly, right, in some circumstances, a woman may be, like, kind of thrown out of her family and have no one. So that's obviously a very difficult situation. But there are other groups that will then step in and, and support life, that woman. For example. Right. Yeah. Yes. And then what does, you know, Planned Parenthood or the Democratic Party try to do? Shut down those pregnancy centers. Right. Right. That's that's like, I mean, it's one thing that you're promoting the death of millions of children, but then it's another to then go after these nonprofits and organizations and health centers that are trying to help women in these situations. Like that is a next level of evil, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it, it is. is. They're it's doing nothing but evil. charity work. Yeah. Nothing but very good work. So, you know, considering, you know, just the magnitude of this this tragedy in our country, the fact that I think the latest statistic is 1.3 million children a year perish through abortion. What have you done personally to kind of witness the dignity of human life? Have you ever, you know, prayed in front of an abortion clinic or done counseling with women in in these crisis pregnancy situations? I have, yes. So, I uh when I was I think about 2 years ago, I would go every weekend and I would pray the rosary with a group of focus missionaries in front of the abortion clinic uh, near me. It was absolutely excruciating. Mm. It was absolutely, they were, to see girls there who were what looked like six months along, just walking in there, knowing that, you know, that was going to be it, right? And they actually put barriers in between us like we would try and give them you know people say the church needs to do more which we can always do more right but we would try to give them like pamphlets and stuff like hey we have resources and access to resources like this doesn't have to be it people can adopt your child you don't have to do this and they would physically push us away and make like barriers so that we couldn't even reach these women Mm. like nothing could stop us and then you have you know some crazy evangelizer trying to <laughs> shout at everybody, but it was just so yeah. hard to to be there in silence and like just to unite that excruciating feeling of helplessness, like with our Lord and Our Lady. Because what else can you do, right? And unite it with the unborn baby, right? Who was also helpless, Hel- completely helpless. I mean, it was just the most. I, I, the first time I did it, I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. It was awful. Um, and, and where were you doing this? In Pittsburgh. And it was, the, I mean, the abortion clinic was running constantly. Mm. We would go there in the week. We would go there on the weekends, in the middle of the day, in the evenings, and con- constant stream of women coming in. And they just, when I looked at the people who were in charge of the clinic, it was almost like they didn't see us as human anymore. Like we were some sort of enemy that was trying to infiltrate this woman in dire need. Meanwhile, we were just trying to save the baby yeah. and help her. I mean, it was just like, you're no longer, like I could see this woman at the grocery store, right? Sure. You want no sure. difference. But in this situation, we were no longer human. It was, it's like, unwor- it's almost evil, really. Oh, there's definitely something diabolical. It was, um, there's just. About, about abortion. It's awful. Um, but yeah, so I actually also signed up to volunteer with the Sisters of Life. 
Um, so I'm really excited about that too. That's great. Mm-hmm. For those who are not from Stanford or, or the New York area, Sisters of Life are a religious community of nuns who dedicate themselves to protecting the sanctity of human life from conception till natural death. And they run some houses for, uh, for women in, in crisis pregnancy situations and provide a lot of outreach to those uh, in such situations. Pretty inspiring, to be honest. So have you guys, uh, Diane and Lauren, ever done any witnessing? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a co-worker for the Sisters of Life as well. So um, kind of through that program, you can kind of choose how to volunteer. Um, a lot of it's really about sort of like accompaniment and giving sort of, you know, these women the support that they need. So there might be, you know, like you just bring a meal or just have a conversation with them, um, donate clothes, things like that. And um, before COVID, um, actually right before COVID hit, we were we – were organizing this big 5k in Stanford. Um, it was going to be a walk run to support, um, organizations in Stanford. So the sisters of life, Malta house and another up and coming, uh, women's healthcare, um, clinic. And, uh, we were putting together sort of, you know, the, the plan for that, um, to raise money. So, I mean, hopefully we can sort of start to think about that, you know, this summer as restrictions are lifted. Um, but that was kind of a way to sort of um, support them monetarily. Um, and then when I was a little bit younger, I had uh, I found this organization. They're called Life Runners. So if anyone's a big runner out there, um, there's you can actually form chapters and teams. Um, and the idea is that you get together for a run or a walk or whatever um, on a Saturday morning, maybe do a loop and then kind of end with prayer by an abortion clinic or begin with prayer by an abortion clinic to kind of, you know, like to offer the run up for um, the purpose of mm. sort of, um, you know, just valuing life in, in all stages. So it's really kind of beautiful. Um, and you can, you know, you can witness to it by sort of wearing their, I mean, I, I have a t-shirt, you know, and it says, remember the unborn on the back. And I've gotten many comments from people about like, you know, and you know that people are looking. So in any way that you can kind of just like bring light to that, I think it's, uh, it's a great way to, um, witness to the movement. It's interesting how many different organizations there are for that. Like, I've never heard of Runners for Life, but yeah. we have uh, a gentleman in our parish who's a big motorcycle aficionado, and he's part of Pro Bikers for Life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they, so they, uh, they go and um, drive down to the March for Life on their, their Harley Davidsons. And oh, yeah. No, I mean, this Life Runners, they organ- they have a marathon every year that, like, the, all the chapters across the country get together. There's hundreds of chapters. Like, I mean, it's a huge movement. And, wow. Mm-hmm, so there's there's all of these different – it's really just cool to actually um, to research what's out, what's out there because there is a way, I think, that anyone can support the pro-life movement. Yeah. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. I haven't done anything like that. No, not at all. But um, – I'm blanking on her name. The woman used in the case for Roe versus Wade. Norma McCorvey. Okay. Yeah. She later transitioned out of working and running an abortion clinic. And uh, she also never had an abortion. She had three children. Mm. But um, she was essentially used. That's how she describes it by women who wanted abortion to be legalized. Um, so she converted through a little girl, actually, from an evangelical you know, pro-life organization that came and set up shop right next to the abortion clinic where she worked um, and was slowly brought in. And, you know, the Christians were the evil ones, right? But she was kind of converted by them over time. And uh, she tells her story, you know, like what went on there, how she was used, uh, you know, just everything. Like how she came to finally realize, right, what was going on. Mm. I think there's just a lot of denial and became a Christian and, you know, that's powerful. Powerful sides. to hear those conversion stories. That some of you have, have you ever seen Unplanned? 
Not yet. Not yet. No? Sure. Oh, I definitely recommend it. Yeah, it's about Abby Johnson, who also used to run a Planned Parenthood in, in Texas. And she uh, ended up becoming converted and becoming a Catholic and leaving and now working the pro-life movement. Yeah, so I think finding out more about those women um, and just becoming a little more knowledgeable yeah. is is helpful. I mean, that's all I've done. And I've certainly... Well, I can think of one experience of, you know, someone saying, well, it's a clump of cells. I'm like, "Mm, it's a life with an eternal soul, you know, like just even being able to say that because it's it's a tough situation. It's a tough discussion. Yeah. Have you faced any backlash from people? Any of you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Really? Yeah. My brother, he I've never he's I love him. He's awesome. We're, We're twins. And we have very different views on, I guess, the what I would argue is the most important things, right? Uh, faith and, you know, this this issue. And I think it came up in conversation one time and he just started screaming at me at how this is, you know, a right that I have to respect for women. And I, you know, I can't ask him now because he's not interested in having a dialogue, but I, I just crave a dialogue without the hateful like without the hatefulness, right? Like just asking questions. And I, I sometimes I don't feel like we as a society can can really do that. But I, I just wish that, you know, I'd be able to ask him or at least have a conversation about why he feels the way he does, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, that's probably the most backlash I've, I've faced. And it hurts a little more, you know, when it comes from someone that you love so deeply. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I was spit on one time. It was the only time in my life I've ever been spit on. Were you at a at clinic a, at a, or something? I was, yeah, I was at a pro-life rally in, in my hometown in Maryland, and some guy came up to me, and I was way, way before I was a priest, so I was just dressed as a regular person, and, and he's like, you're, you're a sorry excuse for a human being, and just reared back and, wow. and spit. And, which, you're right, actually, you know, I'm sure it would hurt a lot worse if it was someone that meant something to me, but I was just like, well, that was gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wiped it off and just kind of continued on, I mean... <laughs> But yeah, it's it's definitely something that that's controversial because I think people even you know people like your brother are probably motivated you know by a, maybe a false sense of compassion, right? But what they consider to be compassion because they think it's it's a, a woman's need, it's a woman's right. 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 I also really dislike all the claims that come out you know around every election like women's rights, like we got to protect women's health, as if trying to save life affects women's health. You know what I mean? It, I think it's just a lie, and they spread fear. Yeah. Well, and also, it's just so frustrating hearing that. Like, and I'm saying that as a woman too. You know, like, what about the child's <laughs> right? You know, like, I it doesn't even make sense. So, right. I just think we can do better. We just can do better as a society for for women, right? A society that claims to promote women's rights. I think we can do better for women. Yeah. You know, that something that the, I guess the argument I always use against people who say that it's a clump of cells is I say, well, can you prove that it's not a person? Because they can. They say, well, my, I, I don't think it's a person. And so, well, here's, here's the question. If I was going to bulldoze a building and I said, I don't think there's somebody in there, I think it's okay to bulldoze it. Would that be morally responsible to bulldoze a building if you're not 100% sure that that's not a, there's not a person in that building? Right? I mean, we have to make absolute certitude that, that there's no one in that building in order for it to be okay to bulldoze. Mm-hmm. So you have to have absolute certitude that those are just a clump of cells, right? And, and nobody can prove that. You can't prove it scientifically. I mean, there's no way to say, oh, that's definitely not a soul. I mean, you can't say that. Yeah. So even if 
if you're unsure, even if you're kind of like, well, I don't know, you still have to kind of err on the side of caution and say, well, if it's a person, then it deserves all the human rights that a person deserves. I don't know. So philosophically, you know, of course, I don't think it holds water, which I think is why most people use the emotional argument right. of, well, look at this poor woman, this poor woman. And without a doubt, there are women in very difficult circumstances, and there are women who, who regret their abortion without a doubt. In fact, have you guys ever been to the March for Life and, um, you know, seen, because at, at the very end of the March for Life, one of the things I find most powerful is there's a, um, a number of women who stand there holding signs saying, I regret my abortion. And every year when I see that, it just moves, moves me to tears. Like, first of all, for their courage to be able to admit that they had one and to, to know that they are forgiven and that they can do something good and positive in, in witnessing to the value of, of life and the regret from their decision. And how many women would you say? Would um, probably like 40 or 50. You know, it's, it's, it's a significant number. Mm-hmm. And then there's some men who hold signs that say, I regret my lost fatherhood. Because mm. it impacts men, too. Mm-hmm. You know? Have you guys ever been to the March for Life? No. No, I've never had a chance because of work, but... Ah, that's it. we got to so make a trip. So you would go? Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's the height of my busy season, though, so... Yeah, see, I don't know if I'd be comfortable going. Really? Yeah. Why is I it? I don't know. It? It's... Well, I'm... I, I don't know that I would ever do a protest ever or a march or anything. No, for, for nothing? It's not your... It doesn't really... I don't know. It doesn't seem like my thing. I don't know. It's... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I don't know what it is, too. With this one, it's like my friends mostly are probably on the opposite side. So it's like if I went to the March for Life, I'm really putting it out there. Like, this is what I am. Even though I am a Catholic, I, it's not like I hide it. I mean, it, it goes along with my faith, but that's like a next level of living out the faith, right? Mm. You're on a podcast. I am, but are people listening to it? Eh, you know, get your frisbee friends to listen to the show. It's I do. I tune have, into Veritas Radio. I have sent it to people, but you know. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I just don't know about that personally. That's fair, Carmelina. You would certainly go, right? Absolutely. You've already been doing tons of great work for this. It seems witnessing. I would go. Yeah, I would go. I I, honestly, there's for me, it's a little bit selfish to go because it's like a big Catholic reunion. <laughs> like I see friends I knew from seminary and college, and oh, I haven't seen you in a year, you know. But, but, it, but is that the best way? Like, I, I guess that's the, the next question is well, so there's marches for life, and we've been doing this for almost 50 years now, which is tragic when you think about it. It's been almost 50 years, 48 years in 2021. So what is the best way to end abortion? You know, is it protests? Is it politics? Is it education? Better health care? You know, what is it? What's the solution? I think it's a combination, right? I mean, I think the march is incredibly important because if people stop showing up for the march, that means that, oh, people don't care, right? Mm. Even if that's not true, but there's a there's something to be said about silence and and showing up, right? So I, I agree with I agree with the march. I think it's important. And I think the other thing to keep in mind is making sure that we're being prescriptive in our recommendations for how we resolve this. You know, it's one thing to kind of show our, you know, advocacy for an issue, but I think we also need to show some action, right? Mm. So whether that's volunteering or going to a clinic to pray, you know, it can't just be all talk. We got to walk the walk, especially as Catholics, whether, um, especially those who are, who do have positions of power, right? That's always been one downside I've always felt with the March for Life, is that you have 500,000 people showing up, 
and how many of them are going to do anything else pro-life right. for the next 365 days, mm-hmm. you know? Because it is, you know, as somebody recently said, all politics is local, you know, and all change happens locally. Right. I think for me, standing outside of an abortion clinic might be more for the drivers driving by to raise awareness of the issue, you know, especially because, and the last time I was there, we were sadly have an abortion clinic here in Stanford. And the last time I was there, they weren't even open. They weren't having abortions because they only do it a couple hours a week. But I was there with a group and, and we had a number of people drive by and a lot of people gave us thumbs up. A lot of people offered a different finger <laughs> in disagreement. <laughs> but, but it made people aware that, that something happens in this building that's worth standing outside and saying, I stand for human life. You could always have that one woman that turns away, though. I mean, yeah. sometimes I've watched documentaries of women who said if there was just someone there to say, you don't have to do this. Right. So even just going for that one, yeah. right? Because I'd imagine there's a tremendous amount of fear mm-hmm. and anxiety and, and aloneness for women who are contemplating this. Yep. So, yeah, the Catholic community can be there to be that support for them. So have you ever known anyone that personally has been uh, impacted by abortion? I have. I have. My cousin was. No one talks about it. Mm. They don't know I know. Um, it just kind of slipped out in a family conversation once, and then it was done. So it's never been brought up? Never been again. brought up. No one talks about it. Um, I know that he's deeply affected by it. Um, but That's tough. Yeah. It's really tough. I think he was really young, too. I think he was maybe 18 or so, mm. him and his girlfriend, yeah. I recall uh, a singer came here to Stanford to do adoration, and she was beautiful with this amazing voice. So it was such a gift to have her. And like, where did she come from, you know? And she shared during her um, concert, I guess, that her parents considered aborting her. Mm. They were young when they were pregnant with her. um, And obviously they didn't go through with it. And I had never heard anyone say that before. Um, So it, it really struck me. Um, Diane, were you there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it, it was definitely a powerful moment. And then you're looking at this person who's so gifted, who's just uh, like totally taking over your emotions with her voice. And it's like, wow, she may not have been here, you know, and it, certainly it just makes you question who are all these people that were never given a chance to live. Yeah. We had a, a young man in a former youth group, um, a few years ago who his mom was telling me the story. He's a single mom, and she said she was 19 when she got pregnant, and she went to the abortion clinic and was actually on the table when she changed her mind. And a tremendous amount of courage got off, off that table, and now the kid was in our youth group. And I was like, you know, I'm really glad that you chose life because this kid's amazing, and we were so blessed to have him on this earth. You know, and that's the truth. With the, if it's been 60-something, 60 63 million, I think, you know, babies killed, how many amazing singers how many amazing scientists and and scholars and and athletes have we have we snuffed out through this tragedy right but i think there is we have to end this with hope though because there is hope for those who have had abortions and i think that's so important like how do we as a church offer that hope to people that have had abortions and, and been and so so impacted by this issue i'm really big on action right showing up finding ways to volunteer, finding ways to help or support these women, whether it's 
thinking of policy or financially or volunteering, prayers, anything. It's one thing to sit in an ivory tower and just condemn people for doing what they do. It's another thing to be on the ground actually helping someone. Yeah. I'll never forget, I did a retreat for uh, women who regretted their abortions. And there's only two women on the retreat, but it was one of the most powerful retreats because they had, for example, a ceremony where they got to name their unborn child. And the healing that you could tell, you know, it was a lot of tears that day, a lot of tears, but a lot of release and forgiveness and closure, you know, to know that God really has forgiven them and that their unborn child really has forgiven them because they carry both of those guilts, you know, and, and it's when I, when I hear confessions of women who are confessing the sin, what I try to convince them of is that they really are forgiven because I think they have a hard time believing that because they've been carrying it perhaps for 20 or 30 or 40 years and never, maybe never even told another soul. God really does have mercy on whatever sin we commit, even the sin of abortion. Thanks so much for joining us on this episode of Restless. You know, my challenge for you is twofold. First of all, if you, uh, if you are able, you know, pray for an end to abortion. Pray and work for an end to abortion, whether that's supporting women in crisis pregnancies, praying uh, in protest and, and offering support to those outside of abortion clinics, maybe getting to the March for Life but also giving hope to those who may have uh, fallen into this sin and may have had an abortion. Continue to welcome them, reach out to them, let them know that they are loved by God and forgiven by Him. You can find us on Veritas Catholic Radio, 1350 AM, and also wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks so much for joining us. Join us next time.